Heart to Heart Catholic Media Ministry presents Lessons from the School of Suffering. A young priest with cancer teaches us how to live. Written by Father Jim Willig with Tammy Bundy. Father Jim Willig courageously began to record this audiobook, but when the demands of cancer overwhelmed his strength, he asked his friend, Brian Patrick, to complete the reading. Brian touches our hearts as he finishes chapter one and continues reading this extraordinary journey of prayer. Chapter 3, Homework and Tests Then Jesus told his disciples, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. Matthew 16, verses 24 and 25 When I was released from the hospital, I was fortunate to recuperate for a couple of weeks at my parents' home since I would need special care while recovering from surgery. During that time, I began my first cancer treatment, immunotherapy, a specific cancer therapy for those with renal cell cancer. It consists of a mixture of two drugs, interferon and interleukin-2, given by injection. When a person begins this therapy, he or she experiences extreme pain because the body initially reacts quite violently before it gradually adjusts to the drugs. And so after each early injection, I would go into what we called the shake, rattle, and roll syndrome, appropriately named because upon receiving my first injections, my whole body literally would shake for about a half hour or more. This reaction reminded me of a movie that I saw in which someone overdosed on drugs and went into convulsions. Even though it was only a movie, I found it too painful to watch someone suffer like that. Experiencing this shake, rattle, and roll syndrome was agonizing for me as well as my family who had to watch me suffer. Shaking, however, wasn't the only side effect. Following that reaction, I then would experience a fever upward to 102 degrees for the next three to four hours. During these fever times, I honestly wondered if this cure was worse than the sickness. While this indeed was excruciating to go through every day, I understood that my cancer was my cross, and my cancer treatment was my way of the cross. I desperately needed this focus, this higher purpose, to help me make it through the long hours of treatment and physical suffering. Each evening at this stage of treatment, members of my family gathered around my bed at my parents' home and prayed the rosary through those terribly difficult times. The rosary soon became a comfort to me, reminding me that the Blessed Mother Mary was with me. Just as she stood beside her son when he was on the cross, she stood beside me, helping me carry the cross of cancer. While my Heavenly Mother stood beside me, so too did my earthly mother. Every night while recuperating at my parents' home, my mother and I shared a simple ritual. Mom would sit at the foot of my bed and massage my feet. This gentle and loving gesture always reminded me that Mother Mary was at the foot of the cross of Jesus when he turned to his beloved disciple John and said, Woman, here is your son, thereby giving his mother to John and at the same time giving her to all of us. From that day on, John took Mary into his home. This image from Scripture gives me great comfort. It is there for us all. All we need to do is to invite Mary into our hearts and homes to help us, especially in our times of suffering. 
My time of suffering with the immunotherapy was limited. My body eventually adjusted to the therapy, and I was able to return to my parish in September. It felt good to be back home. The entire parish could not have been more welcoming and more loving. I was greeted with a standing ovation at my first post-surgery mass. The parishioners embraced me with their spirit of love and concern as they encouraged me to continue to take care of myself. One of the best treatments for any disease surely is lots of love. I tried to take care of myself through my daily treatment of immunotherapy, and I continued to receive this interferon and interleukin mixture for several months. When I returned to my oncologist, Dr. Brian Mannion, I was eager to see if all my hard homework had paid off. As with every school, I had to take more tests. More CAT scans were ordered. Soon I heard that the immunotherapy had not worked. The cancer was not only still in my lungs, but it had also grown in size and number. There were now more tumors in my right lung than there were previously. The doctor suggested that I consider a mini bone marrow transplant that would require a marrow match from one of my siblings. I was confident about my prognosis at this time, knowing that the chance of one of my ten brothers and sisters being a match was one in four. The morning of the testing came, and each of my brothers and sisters informed me that he or she wanted to be the one who matched me. I was devastated to hear that none of my siblings was a match. I went to my parents and asked, Tell me the truth, was I adopted? Soon the crushing realization that maybe there wasn't a treatment that would cure me set in for my whole family as well as for me. Unable to hold on to the hope of a surgical cure, we simply held on to our faith and each other. Immediately it was decided to try a different drug, thalidomide, as a cancer treatment. Thalidomide stops the blood flow to the tumors, which in turn ceases the growth of the cancer and causes the tumors to die. As a moment of comic relief, before I could receive the thalidomide prescription, I had to sign a release to promise I would not get pregnant. Would that everything else could be so certain. I was told that thalidomide would be a somewhat kinder and gentler treatment. All I had to do was take several pills each day. Although fatigue is the side effect of thalidomide, I figured I could handle that. For an active person and a pastor like me, however, continual fatigue proved to be another heavy cross. Without much energy, I found it difficult to do many things that I had previously done and taken for granted. For this reason, the day-to-day -day tasks of running a parish while fatigued and coping with the uncertainty of cancer sometimes overwhelmed me. It occurred to me that I was being given a glimpse of what life is like for the sick and suffering as well as for the elderly. I began to develop a greater empathy for these people who struggle with their physical weakness and the hardship of not being able to do what they once did almost effortlessly. Throughout this school of suffering, I have constantly been reminded that I have so much to learn. As I struggled to learn these lessons, I discovered that one of the best places for me to learn is before the cross. Every day, I try to pray before the cross. I must say that I have, indeed, learned more meditating in front of the cross of Christ than I have learned from any book I've ever read, except perhaps the Bible. One day, as I meditated before the cross of Christ, I began questioning the Lord. Why is it that I have cancer? And why did it have to be renal cell cancer that offers such little hope of any cure? Why do I have to suffer so much? Why, why, why? In the silence of the church, I could hear clearly in my mind the words that the Gospel of Matthew had reported Jesus saying to his disciples. If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Matthew 16, verses 24 and 25. 
I let those challenging words sink in a bit, and then I responded honestly to the Lord. Instead of being your follower, how about we go back to being just good friends? There is something in each of us that naturally resists the cross and the sacrifice that life sometimes asks of us. It was then that I realized Jesus has many good friends, a church full of them. But I wonder, how many followers does Jesus have? To follow Jesus means to deny your very self and sacrifice your life. This teaching goes against our human tendency and the way society always urges us to look out for number one. Jesus tells us we must let go of number one, or better yet, we must rethink who number one really is. And so I pray about this and try little by little, day by day, consciously unite myself with Jesus on the cross. As a Catholic, making the sign of the cross often became a roadway to begin and end a prayer. My hands were moved, but my heart was not. Now the sign of the cross has become a heartfelt reminder that I am signing my life over to the Lord. One day when I thought I was alone, I prayed in church. While making this offering before the cross, a parishioner came up to me, put her arm around my shoulder and prayed, Dear God, please heal Father Jim and give me his cancer. I was incredulous. I looked at her and then back to the Lord and quietly prayed, If she insists, Lord, hear our prayer. Later I was able to pray, Lord, rather than give my cancer to her, give her heart of love to me. The love that prompted her to deny her very self and pray in such a loving way. Over the months that I have lived with cancer, I've had other people say interesting things to me in an effort to support me, such as, Don't worry, Father. God will heal you because we need you here. And I just know that God will not let you die. At times like that, all I want to say is, Have you looked at the crucifix lately? If anybody was needed in the world, it was Jesus. If anybody was good, it was Jesus. If anybody didn't deserve to suffer, it was Jesus. And yet God allowed his son to suffer and be killed in the most hideous way, in the prime of his life and ministry. I silently wanted to share with these well-intentioned people that the only guarantee I have is that God will always be with me and take care of me. This is how I also explain it when people ask why God gave me cancer. I have to admit that I have never felt that God gave me this cancer. It is true, though, that God allowed this cancer to happen. I believe God allows suffering to happen to bring about a greater good. In fact, what we first perceive as bad, upon later enlightenment, we realize is often a gift, a blessing in disguise. The crucifix is the perfect sign of that paradox where God allows something so bad in order to bring about a much greater good, namely our salvation. The more I prayed with my feelings, questions, and doubts, the more I came to see an image of Jesus on the cross. With one arm nailed to the cross, Jesus lovingly reaches out with his other arm, embracing me and drawing me closer to him to experience his divine love that led him to sacrifice his life. There is absolutely nothing good about suffering in and of itself. As a matter of fact, Jesus spent much of his ministry healing people and alleviating suffering. Nevertheless, there is much good that suffering can bring about if it brings us closer to Christ. Therefore, the most helpful thing I have learned in my bitter suffering is to unite myself with Christ on the cross, who unites himself with me on my cross. At the times of my most intense suffering, when the hurt is so deep, I cannot even find the words to pray. All I can manage to do is to hold on to a crucifix or cross 
thereby holding Christ, who is holding me. In the months following, I continued to need to be held by Christ. After six weeks of the thalidomide treatment, I once again was scheduled for a series of tests to determine if this course of action was making the grade. Once again, however, I failed another test. The cancer had grown. I cannot fully put into words how agonizing it was to hear this news that nothing seemed to work. The debilitating immunotherapy didn't work. The efforts for a mini bone marrow transplant didn't work. The exhausting thalidomide therapy didn't work. A much healthier nutrition and vitamin regimen didn't make any difference. Nothing was stopping this cancer from growing. My oncologist now recommended a new course of action, a combination of thalidomide and chemotherapy. I soberly was informed that there was less than a 10% chance of this treatment working. I kept reminding myself each day, however, that I had a 100% chance of the Lord taking care of me no matter what happened. Discouraged for so long, I was uplifted by God's gracious timing and the most thoughtful and unusual action of Archbishop Daniel E. Polarczyk of Cincinnati, who requested through a monthly clergy communication newsletter that all priests and parishioners in the archdiocese pray for a miracle from me through the intercession of Bishop Frederick Baraga. Bishop Baraga had been a priest in Cincinnati in the 1800s, who later became a missionary and a bishop of the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. I was so touched by the idea of this saintly bishop interceding for me. It certainly couldn't hurt to have friends in high places. But mostly, I was touched by this extraordinary loving request of Archbishop Polarchi, as well as the extraordinarily loving response of those who prayed for me. Thousands of people throughout the Archdiocese of Cincinnati, people I will never be able to meet and thank, were praying for me for my cure. One of the great joys I have experienced with this cancer is when people come to me and offer me their prayers. These moments are truly the silver lining in the cloud of cancer. When someone tells me he or she is praying for me, I feel it is an answer to my tremendous need. Such an outpouring of love and prayer is a miracle in itself. This outpouring of love even found its way to Rome when a friend of mine managed to have a private audience with the Pope at the Vatican. During her time to greet the Holy Father, my friend handed him a photograph of me and said, This is one of your priests. Please pray for him. He needs a miracle. The Pope nodded and blessed the picture of me. I was very moved when my friend shared this story with me. Then she showed me the photo she had given the Pope to bless. It was a photo that had been taken of me on that pilgrimage to the Holy Land. I hadn't shaved for a few days. I was wearing a Palestinian headdress, and I was standing in the middle of two women, my arms around each of them. I'm sure the Holy Father must have looked at this unshaven, turban-wearing priest with a woman on either side of him and understood that, indeed, I needed help. The prayers of so many people, from family and friends and parishioners to the thousands of people whom I have not met and even the Pope himself, have touched my soul in a way that I cannot fully define. Despite so many setbacks in treatment, I have persevered with my own prayer. Each day, I offered myself again at the altar where I first offered the prayer of St. Ignatius. Take, Lord, receive. By doing this, I would daily place my life in the Lord's hands. Each time I heard more devastating news about the growth of my cancer, I would go again before the Lord and pray, Lord, my life is in your hands. The only certainty I can hold on to in this school of suffering is, I do not know what my future holds, but I know who holds my future. Lessons. 
it is okay to ask why of God, others, and ourselves. We should expect suffering as part of life and learn from it. When life tests us, we need to remember that the only failure is the failure to learn and grow from the experience. We should give ourselves permission to feel whatever we feel. God allows suffering to happen to bring about a greater good. Assignment Look at and learn from the cross of Christ. Unite your suffering with Jesus on the cross. Share your feelings openly with someone. Prayer. Hail Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Heart to Heart welcomes you back next week for another inspiring chapter from Lessons from the School of Suffering. If you are interested in purchasing a copy of the full recording of this audiobook, either on CDs or through digital download, or a print copy of the book, or other resources available through Heart to Heart Catholic Media Ministry, please visit our website, www.htoh.com. US. There, you can sign up to receive more inspiring content delivered to your inbox. Or call us toll-free at 1-877-208-4875 with any prayer requests you have or other help you may need. And please, as always, keep us in your prayers as well. Donations of any size are also greatly appreciated to help support this ministry. This audio recording is copyrighted 2023 by Heart to Heart Catholic Media Ministry. Thank you for listening, and may God bless your heart and the hearts of all of your loved ones.